feel like this is the first podcast we don't have to open with, like, and we're back! We're, but yeah, we're not back. We've literally we're, we're never left. We haven't left. We're, this is a continuously open. We've done. We're back week to week. We're four weeks in a row now. It's unbelievable. This is unprecedented. It's unheard of. And entertainment sources for us. Uh, just we're almost we- as reliable as Netflix right now. Oh, I don't know that. Oh, that fucking BoJack Horseman finale. Oh. Mm. God I cried. Damn. I cried I so hard at the last two cry. episodes. I didn't quite cry. So I, I don't know. I felt like I felt like an emptiness in me. I was kind of like past tears with it. Uh, the, the, there was an emptiness, and then I thought about it a little bit longer, and then it was just pretty much floods of tears for <laughs> a good fifteen minutes during the, the well, again, opening you were, episode. You were in different. You, we were both watching it in different mindsets. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> You yeah. was, you're like, what a tragic anniversary you're on, and I was. It was just a Wednesday. When I was watching. It was just, yeah. This is a. This is. I wasn't even midweek. It was my day off. My the only sad thing about it that it was Sunday and was having to go back to work. So uh, we are back with part. Is, sorry, this is 109 Ocean Avenue. We are back. We, we are, are back, back to how we started back. when we started this podcast. Yes. Never introduced the topic. Never told you which podcast this is. Yeah, we don't know. I'm just rambling on. Do we introduce ourselves at the top? We should. I am Jamie. I'm Jack. We. I'm here with my co-host Jack. I'm doing it now. I'm doing. I am singing. <laughs> um, we are back talking on part two of Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, we were going to cover, we had like a myriad of cases to cover, and then, uh, but then we, as soon as you look into the, a lot of them, they're not Stockholm Syndrome. No, like quite a few of them aren't. It's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's just the, overblown. I'm... The cases, and I'm not, I'm not calling Wikipedia out, please donate, <laughs> but, uh, donate to Wikipedia and Murderpedia, it needs to be done. Um, but every case on wikipedia that when you if you look at just quickly go a quick overview and look at stockholm syndrome on wikipedia the notable cases are so we did obviously the main stockholm syndrome which we did and uh, tasha campush which we did in our last full episode not last week's episode but in our last full week full episode Yes, they're trying to work out. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking into the future right yeah. now. So I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> but we did cover those, and as well as the other ones are the kidnapping of Emily Smart, which I really don't think at all was. Uh, to give a quick summary because I don't think we're going to talk about it actually. No. So to give a quick summary. Uh, I think she was 14 years old. This girl Emily Smart was abducted from her room. By a man with a knife. Literally in the middle of the night, this man came in. He's basically puts a knife up to her. Her little sister is in the bed opposite her. Here's the whole thing. She's just there like, I'm asleep. <laughs> <laughs> close her head around, close her eyes. He then just leads her out of the house into the woods where he meets up with uh, his girlfriend. And then they just kind of go around like she he has her in the same town wearing a burqa at some stages like so she her face is covered and they move to san diego i think this is in utah i think it's in salt lake city uh, not it was not in salt lake but it's in utah in the surrounding and uh so this guy was i can't remember his name but anyway he was kind of like this 
he was this guy who was drug out. He was a former Mormon. His he basically uh, was just a fuck up. And uh, he eventually got caught, and he was like taking her to parties, and they were trying to, and they were like obviously having sex with her both the two, the him and his uh, wife. I don't know if his wife it was just girlfriend at the time. And uh, they kept her for a year, and then he basically got like arrested on breaking. Into, I think he was breaking into a church, and he got arrested. And uh, then he, he, she just kind of like managed to escape him because she was literally really close to where she was, and. It's written as she's. Uh, it was a case of Stockholm syndrome because she was allowed to walk around with them and didn't essentially run away. But she was also fucking terrified and kind of just forced to be there. And so, I feel that's what separates Stockholm syndrome from just a normal kidnapping. Is if you're terrified to be there, if you're scared of your captors, it's not Stockholm syndrome. No. Whatever you're doing is a basic survival instinct. It's- no. It's far, it's far more normal than what Stockholm Syndrome actually is. Just to give a quick summary again, Stockholm Syndrome is a referred to as a coping metic- mechanism in which a captor will feel fondness towards their captive. And it often, it's kind of a two-way street seen as the, in the last sort of cases that we covered. So let's just kick it off with the heiress, Patty Hurst. 4th of February, 1975, a 19-year-old heiress to the Hearst Communications, one of America's largest mass media conglomerates. They were, they were basically, if there's a media pie, they've got the finger in it. It's how big they are. If you look them up, they've, they've, they like have... Sorry, I thought you wouldn't describe what they were. So basically it was like, if they're a media, a media pie... I'd be like, they're cherry. I'm like, I don't know what that means. It's like they've got their fingers. Like they've got their, they've got their finger in every pie, <laughs> every single every, media pie. They well, they essentially invented the multimedia conglomerate. William Hurst. Was it Randolph Hearst? Yes. Because it's Randolph Hearst, and then her father's William Hearst. Yes. Okay, so yeah, Randolph Hearst essentially was the first Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, pretty much. Like- he was the OG. He was the person who was like, what if we just decided what the news was? Yeah. <laughs> what, what instead of instead of telling us what actually happens, let's spin our form of this. On a quick side note, well, have you seen all this fucking, all this shit with Iran? What's going on? No. Oh, it's all so messed up. There's so much, there's, they were like, apparently they killed, they killed someone and then they were like, oh, millions of people have taken to the streets and then someone... Well, America killed, oh, I saw America killing someone. They like bombed someone and yeah, then Yeah, they killed whole... like this general, they killed this general, but apparently this general was killing his own people and stuff. And yeah. So the people around were like, yeah, we don't really care that you killed him. Some of them do. People, some people did. And then some other people, the load of them were forced to go out and... Do it apparently, but yeah, they were like millions of people, right? And then someone literally did a calculation of like the size of the area, the length of it. And it was like that's ninety thousand people. <laughs> like it's a lot of people. Don't get me wrong, but it's not millions of people. But anyway, continue. So yeah, they they basically own a shed load of media, whether it's newspapers, television, internet. They've got partnerships with Disney. This this is. The general scale of this this company, and oh, it's, the wealth that oh, it, we're it's talking so about much here. money. It's like incomprehensible money. And her name, the heiress uh, Patricia Hurst, aka Patty Hurst, was currently a sophomore at the University of California at Berkeley. Was sat in her apartment on. Sorry, what's that? What's that childhood thing where it's like patty cake? What do you? How do you? Patty Hurst, Patty. <laughs> Robbed a bank. 
Uh, so she was sat in her apart- uh, student apartment with her fiancé at about 9pm when a group of men and women burst through the door, guns drawn, and before you knew it, fiancé was beaten up and the group was speeding off with Patty tied up in the boot of the car. The group then shortly revealed themselves to be the Symbionese? Symbionese Liberation Army, a left-wing terrorist group who had planned the kidnapping in response to the arrests of two of their members, Ramiro and Little. So, let me just, I just quickly want to touch on who the Symbionese Liberation Army are. It's, um... No, because I feel bad, because I kind of... Yeah, the problem, we were talking about this earlier, and um, immediately, and I, we're going to say what's going to happen, but immediately we kind of fell off the fact that they were the, the coolest group. But because um, the problem is with any sort of extremist group, extremism in any format is always bad. No matter yeah. even how much you intend to do good, if you're an extremist, you're going to go the wrong way around to doing it. But um, so this... This group, the they were of the Symbionese Liberation Army or the United Federation Forces of the Symbionese Liberation Army. Or from here on out, SLA. Oh, just the SLA. Fuck yeah. And they are... But they're essentially... They're a Robin Hood-esque group that their big thing is doing is bank robbery. Yeah. But they have also... um They dabbled in, in some murder, but... um. Their, their whole thing is like a... Symbionese actually got taken from the word um, symbiosis. Uh, and the quote from Donald DeFries uh, about them is that the name Symbionese is taken from the word symbiosis. We define it by the meaning as a body of dissimilar bodies, organisms living in a deep, loving harmony and partnership with the best interest within the body. So the so whole how thing... How beautiful does that sound? I know, it sounds so good. So their whole thing is like... It's the it's the will of the many outweigh the will of the the one or whatever that yeah. famous saying is, but their whole for the many not, not yeah, yeah for the many, many not, not the, the few. few. There's that whole thing is like they're they're very anti capitalist they're anti capitalist they're they're very anti racist, and um, they wanted weirdly enough they wanted complete civil liberties for anyone no matter how you identified that so their whole thing is like is real good. And um, De Freeza, who was, I think, actually, who was actually a very, a very important member of the group. I think he was actually... He the, was the leader. He, he was the yeah. leader. And he went by General Field Marshal Clinique. Yeah, and he was the only black member of the group. Yeah. Because this kind of group, it was filled with essentially, I, what I feel like, people who were kind of spit out by the hippie generation. I feel like they, they came to this group having tried peace and love... And peace and love immediately failed. Yeah, which I think a lot of this has to do for the sort of the time. And the the actual sim the symbol for the SLA was is like the Hydra symbol, and it is the so it's like a seven headed cobra, and it's based on the seven principles of Kwanzaa, which um, the Swahili words for these uh, seven principles are. Well, I'm not. You know what? I'm not even going to try. But the seven <laughs> principles of them. <laughs> Uh, unity, self-determination, collective work and responsibility, cooperative economics, purpose, creativity, and faith. So this is what formed the, the their symbol, and that was their whole credence of what their what their group was about. Can we just, uh, just cycle back to De- Donald DeFreeze as a name? Oh, why did you? Why does he need 
General whatever I said it was. Oh, it's fucking incredible. What is his? Uh, Field Gen- Marshal. General Field Marshal Clinique. Yeah. When you've got a name named Freeze, that is the ultimate villain nickname. But also his other name, his... um, I don't want to... Because uh, this is something I've actually encountered with uh, some of the... Th- it's and again, it's it's only happening because we ain't doing. I'm not going to say this is a solely a black person thing, but we're white people don't ever really refer to their names as government names, which black people mm. I know refer and they give you give yourself a different name because your birth name is your government name, and it's like that's so cool. I wish I was. One fragment on cool enough <laughs> to say shit like that. Just in polite... I mean, this is casual conversation. We're not talking about streamers views or anything. This is people I've had conversations with just straight up telling me. I was like, no, nah, you can... You, cause like, my name's this, but call me this. Because I go by this. But his... um, So his other name was, was Sinke Mtume, which I think that's probably how you maybe pronounce that. But yeah, his um, his war, his, his war name was uh, Field Marshal Sinke. But yeah, he's... It's pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> but, but again, bad. He's bad. A very he bad becomes person. real bad real quickly. But like, I mean, you could take out one aspect of this group, and yeah, I'm completely fine. And, and it's I'll just fine with again, it. it's my issue with most things, and um, unfortunately, the aspect's rape. Yeah, because um, for a lot of good that they were trying to do, they did a lot of bad. Mm. <laughs> Yes, after revealing themselves as Patty's uh, kidnappers, they plan to use her as leverage to free Ramiro and Little. However, when they realised that this just wasn't physically possible, given the connections. But also, uh, they were wanted for murdering two people. (laughs) That's why they were arrested. They weren't... Because they were were bank robbers, Mm -hmm. was their main... Thing. And I don't know if they actually killed them during a bank robbery, but they definitely were in prison for murder. <laughs> so they, they were never getting out because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what I kind of... I just find it's so hard to hate them. Yes. Apart from... Because of this next bit. Yeah, this next bit is uh, is the bit that really drags you in. a terrorist group, if, a rans- if you're holding somebody at ransom... To free two people, and you go. They go. Listen, that's not going to happen. We can't make that happen. You ask for money. Is your yeah. next one right? I want that's how hundred you get, million you want, dollars. Fund your organization with yeah. it. Because I'm sorry, but those boots they wear. They're shoot. They're all shooting guns, and they're all wearing boots. Yeah, those aren't free. Is this what they do? No, no, no it's not what they do at all. No, um, they basically just go right. Well, uh, they they change the ransom into a form of food distribution program. Which uh, is the coolest fucking thing. I'm yeah, not it's, it's, it's pretty fucking awesome. Which Pettyhurst's relatives did actually follow through on and did commit to, but just not quite to the scale the SLA wanted. There was a, and there was initial problems with fights breaking out at the food banks and a lot of issues. And the, the SLA then demanded a community coalition of their choice be put in charge. Again, that was allowed to happen. And over pretty much just a month, a hundred thousand bags of food had been handed out. The initial demand was that an amount of food, roughly to the value of seventy dollars, would be given to every need- needy Californian, which would have unfortunately cost an estimated four hundred thousand dollars. However, the actual amount donated was roughly about two million. Which yeah, which they've weirdly enough they took a loan out for. Yeah, which I don't understand because maybe it's hard to get cash. 
<laughs> when everything's I mean, tied up in media conglomerates. Yeah, it might be a cash flow thing. And obviously, they haven't got the four hundred million dollars. Well, so obviously, it's... no one has four hundred million dollars set for cinema. Apart maybe from just Patty wasn't worth that. Countless. Yeah, because also you can make another daughter. He had so many. The thing is, at this time, William Hurst was not in charge of the money. Rudolph Hurst was still at the top of this because mm. she was only 19. So I think her dad was around 40 or so. So he was, Rudolph Hurst was still very much in charge of the company. And he had like fucking 20 grandkids. Yeah. <laughs> like oh. I think he had 12 grandkids in total. Uh, let me just quickly. It's Randolph, not Rudolph Hurst, sorry. That's why I can't spell it, find him. Yeah, because this is the fucking confusing thing. The granddad was called William Randolph Hearst, but went by Randolph, while his son was called George William... Or is it John Randolph? Oh, fucking hell. It sounds like it's on a whole was... Arrested Development situation. Yeah, no, hey, so, sorry, we've said this <laughs> wrong. George Michael Bluth and yeah, Michael yeah. Bluth. <laughs> William Randolph Hearst was the big Mac Daddy, and then his son was Randolph Apperson Hearst. Oof. No. Yeah, no, and he... Yes, yes. So, so it's Randolph... I had it the wrong way. So William is the dad, is the granddad who has yep. all the money. Randolph, his daughter's Patty. And uh, yeah, he, so uh, William actually had so many fucking children because he had like six kids, all of which had then five kids each. So he has a fucking buttload of grandchildren. So it's that joke, it's like the joke in Rick and Morty where he Rick goes up to that fly and he makes a phone call and he's they're like, oh, God, please, gonna come. He's like, I have 800,000 children. And then he's like, check your voicemail. I was like, you have 485. Like, That's over half. <laughs> <laughs> but so it's like, at the end of the day, how much can you really care about because you know she's kind of... I feel like she's a liberal arts fuck. Oh, yeah. She's a wayward <laughs> teen. She's like, like she's uh. not Hearst material. Well, as you'll see soon. Well, again, she, horrible things happen to her. <laughs> a lot of horrible things. <laughs> okay, and I a really lot don't of want to look like this is... I would crumple under a lot less kind of thing than what happened to her. But there's no way that he was like, yeah, let me just shill out... $400 million for you. Mm. You go fuck yourself. Yeah, so they refused to release Patty, claiming that the demands hadn't been met, which they hadn't. But... They hadn't, yeah, because they'd done... Again, they... I still feel like they did a, a sizable amount to warrant her release. But that's nothing. In the William Hurst Empire... I know it's 1975, and $2 million is like... A bajillion dollars yeah. now. It's probably like a eighty-five thousand or something stupid, but no, it's not what they asked for. It's just it's and that's kind of like the first rule of hostage negotiations. Like you, you give them. According to Patty's account, she was held blindfolded in a closet for a week with the hands tied, and DeFreeze uh, would be constantly giving her death threats. Saying that they were going to kill her. Oh, know, yeah, they the were. Ransom they were. wasn't being met. And they were beating the shit out yeah, of her. Yeah, she was getting beaten. Um, she was, however, let out for meals, but still blindfolded. And well, did... It's the thing, you, you keep them disorientated, and it's that whole thing. It's like, as soon as you... Because that's when you want to be. You want to always be blindfolded. I feel like in any captive situation. One, I don't know, I would never get... I feel like I would never be... 
cat did. I've, I, I'm a wriggler. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'd get away. Do you feel like you get? Away? I don't think I'd get away. I feel like I'd get shot in the head. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I would die so quickly. It's the whole dig your own grave thing. Mm. I would never dig my own grave. Never. Nah. Just not doing it. Just not, I'm just not doing it. And she engaged in political discussions with them as well at this point. And they also uh, locked her back in the cupboard and eventually allowed her a flashlight for reading, but was only given the uh, political ramblings of the SLA. Yeah, so it's kind of like how to make her indoctrinate someone. Yeah. Like, well, that's all you get. And you, you know get... they're not feeding her well. No, you get it's minimum the, food, it's minimum SLA. light. They ain't got, they ain't got funds. Well, unless all the needy people were for the SLA and they just stockpacked all that food. Imagine that. Oh, it's self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. <laughs> Feed the poor. We're poor, though. He's... Hers were actually just feeding her. Badly. Maybe, maybe she had a bit less sugar and a bit more protein. He wouldn't have, she would have stopped reading. Again, I feel like if you just read... If I was given the SLA's pamphlet, I'd be like, I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> Sign me up. I mean, I'm definitely probably not going to go door knocking because we've said this before. I'm lazy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's like, oh, God, I, I've been. That's, that's why I'm like the quietest green party. I'm like, oh, I just what are we going to do? We're all going to get together. We're going to stand in the street. Oh, people, people. Oh, I mean, the planet, we, the planet's already dying. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if someone else had cared 10 years ago. Uh, she was eventually given after a few weeks, the option to either side with them or possibly die i mean and by that stage you know exactly what they look like you're gonna die <laughs> yeah yeah she said she'd join and she was um was eventually freed from the closet and was able to see her captors for the first time however she was actually during this period also sexually assaulted by defreeze and other members of the sla and it's very peculiar because one of the people who was the whole was assaulting her was so uh, it's uh, William Lawton Wolf, and uh, again he had a fucking great name. Who's he, he was Cujo, but uh, miss but spelt all Africany. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to be that guy, but it was it spelled K A H J O H. Nice. And then apparently the media would often spell it as Cujo, as in like C U J O. But yeah, he was he was uh, uh, raised in Connecticut. So this guy is, um, I'm gonna say, oh white. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he had joined the group when uh, through um, the Department of African American Studies whilst studying at the University of California in Berkeley. So he was actually an, an anthropology student. Oh shit! And then his, his son actually tried to hire. Um, this guy called Lake Hendy, who was uh, basically, he was kind of like this notorious, he was kind of this notorious PI in America in the 70s. And he was basically just, his dad wanted to find out where the hell his son was. And um, he basically, he met Donald DeFreeze after he'd been inducted into the SLA because he actually went to prison to go meet this guy. But he was the main person who started raping uh, apparently he was the first person to rape uh, Patty Hearst as well as DeFreeze but then her, him and Patty fell in like deeply madly in love 
according to her. But then she did also call him out on the stand for yeah. raping her because she probably that's probably what happened. <laughs> but yes, it's 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 a this whole case is so is so Stockholmy because everyone's kind of horrible in the, in a nice way to each other. Which yeah. is, it's just so fucked up. And everyone's kind of also okay with it all. Yeah, everyone's, yeah. But the thing is, it's kind of like being a dick whilst being a vegan. Because you're like, in the end, you know you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't get to be a dick to other people, but it's that thing of being, that smugness of being like, we're liberal. <laughs> we want the what the betterment for the people. So if we're going to do something horrible, re- really, it's for the betterment of the people. And it's obviously a lie that you're telling yourself. But it's kind of, it's that, gives you that little bit of a plinth to stand on when you're being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> so nearly two months later now, after being kidnapped. It's a long time. Yeah. Patty released an audio tape announcing that she'd joined the SLA and took the new name Tania and renounced her former life. And um, I have a little transcript. Let's see if we can find the tape here as well. I really can't find the tape. Damn. I have found a different tape where she's announcing that she's comrades. Yes, we should play uh, that. Which we will play maybe at some point. And But she was literally going like, I'm kept, she was released this thing as like, I'm kept blindfolded so that I usually can't identify anyone. My hands are often tied, but generally they're, they're not. I'm not gagged or anything. I'm comfortable. I think you can tell that I'm not really terrified or anything. And I'm okay. Uh, I was very upset to hear about the police rushing in on that house in Oakland, and I was just really glad that I wasn't there. Which uh, the police are just looking for her because she's the granddaughter of one of the richest men in the world. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, so they're they're like breaking down into these houses, but uh, but yeah, she I think so she released several tapes to them. I think a lot of them were to prove that she's not. Yeah, to that prove the whole thing and... was to. This is the bit. It's like, the SLA people have been honest with me and I feel pretty sure that I'm going to get out of here if everything goes the way that they want it to. I feel that way too. So try not to worry much. I know it's hard. I heard that mum is really upset. Because if there's just media, there must be so much media attention around this. Yeah. Fuck, it's only the 70s. And because they own the media companies, so that's mm. all they're going to post. But uh, So she refers to herself. She goes, so in this tape, this is when she basically gave saying like why was happening is like um i'm a prisoner of war and so are the two men in san quentin referring to the two members of the sla which the whole point of stealing her was to try and get her back are uh, awaiting charges for the murdering of oakland school superintendent marcus foster i'm being treated in accordance with the geneva convention well more like more guantanamo bay than yeah a bit more guantanamo bay um i'm here i'm I'm a member of the ruling class family, and I think that you can begin to see the allegory. The men in San Quentin are being held, and they're going to be tried simply because they are members of the SLA, not because they've done anything. So basically, the whole thing is like, the LSLA are saying, we didn't kill this person, but two, they got witnesses of seeing two black people, so they were like, well, it must be the SLA. I'm not massively sure if the SLA did do it or not, but they would, I mean... (laughs) They've got... They were doing some shit. They've got rep. Uh, yeah, they've got rep. Ooh. A fun little thing I've just seen here about a phrase. We'll turn back on to this whole... Um, there is... Possibly the phrase was a 
classic CIA informant. Because after he was released from prison, because again, he was arrested all the time. <laughs> but he, after he was released from prison, he then really started hyping up how he wanted to sell guns and arms to people. And then just had no way of proving how he got those weapons. So, <laughs> but that is like, that's that thing. It's like everyone is kind of, it's like everyone in the mafia ends up being a police informant. So everyone's just ratting on each other continuously. Mm. So after the April the 3rd announcement of her renouncing her former life and taking on this new name and fully joining the ESL here. It was go time. It's time, yeah, it's, it's, it's time, to, time for action. It was time to go to work. If you can't just join and be like, she's definitely not drawing the banners. Yeah. Though their banner is sweet. <laughs> we are 12 days after the announcement that she's renounced the former life. She's like, fuck that, I'm oh, gone back. Out. <laughs> and it's 10am, 15th of April, 1974. Does that not seem such a crazy time to do this? Yeah, 10am. I know you've only got a certain five hour time. It's a bank. Mm-hmm. In case you haven't realised, she's about to rob a bank. <laughs> <laughs> big style rob yeah, a bank. Big style. Not actually that big style. Quite minimum styly amount of... For 1970 funds in a bank, what they come away with is kind of pettens. Because it's a bank. But like the size yeah. of the weapons, though. Oh yeah, they're packing heat. Yeah. <laughs> they're like they're proper the packing. They're proper packing, and it's all probably been given to them by the CIA. So, <laughs> um, ten a.m. I feel like robbing a bank at ten a.m. You get the same view as doing drugs at that hour, which it makes sense to do. It makes sense to rob a bank at ten a.m. as much as it makes sense to do drugs at ten a.m. But when else would you rob a bank? I know, I know you have to rob a bank in the morning, but just imagine that morning, having to get ready for a bank. By 10am, you've got to be there. And this is, in the, this is in California, so you've got traffic. You've got to, imagine having to leave the house at 8.05 to be ready to rob a bank at 10. In a boiling hot car, full <sighs> face mask, I'm assuming black clothes, black... Like no, we've seen the foot. Have you not seen the footage of it? There's pretty. It's pretty casual. It's no, business it's... casual. <laughs> <laughs> They're robbing this bank in business Jeans, casual. Flip yeah. flops. No masks. And a smart shirt. No masks. Oh yeah, she's not got. No not one's got, got any fucking masks on. <laughs> bank robbers would be so more successful if they just. Every time I see a bank robber without a mask on, what are you doing? Watch cartoons. Anything. What possibly thought you? Do you want know a great? Great thing for because people they've got all the facial recognition now and the stuff. Mm. Juggalo makeup. It actually doesn't work. It makes the it's the only thing. Like if you paint your face and stuff like that, other things don't work. But Juggalo makeup hides the shape of your face and will not pick you up on facial recognition. Nice. So, just for any, any aspiring bank robbers out there. But also, there's no point robbing a bank anymore. No. There's so little money in the bank, and the, the, totally pointless. It's so pointless. Also. The Hat and Garden people. Oh, there's yeah. one of them that's not been caught. Still one out there. One out there. Man. And also, it was so much more than I thought it was. Like it was a fair. It was a... The guy who's not been got caught had forty. Took fourteen million pounds worth of diamonds. Yeah, he's gone forever. There's no way they're going to catch him. No, he's fenced them off, and they. Oh yeah, he's immediately fenced. Well, I don't... How do you fence fourteen million pounds worth of diamonds? Yeah, no, though? you'd know somebody. If you're planning a robbery that big, yeah, because that's the thing is they rob safety. That's the beauty of robbing safety deposit boxes because you know half the shit in there is illegal. It's 
So what are people going to say? Like, I have this money. I'm like, can you prove that you have all that money? No. Because no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't declare any of it. My tax. Because you're not allowed to put cash in safety deposit boxes. Which kind of a, defeats the whole point of a safety deposit box in my yeah. eyes. Yeah. So this would be a cash reserve of... Mm, you're not allowed to. I'm pretty sure that's the rules. So they bust into this bank. Smart cash. No masks. No masks. No masks. Big guns. Big guns. Big swagger. <laughs> big guns. Big swagger. <laughs> yeah, she's got an M1 carbine, which is a pretty hefty... It makes... And she's not that big of a woman. It no. makes that gun look even bigger. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> it's that creepy thing that guy says, like, oh, she's got tiny hands. <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> but this, tell you what, she makes that gun look big. Uh, during the robbery, Howard, two men try to... Enter the bank to do, you know, general <laughs> banking business. Yeah, they try, you know what, though? They try and get tasty, and you shouldn't get... If, hey, if you're like, holy fuck, is that not air, um, billionaire heiress Pat, Patty Hurst? <laughs> you just walk away. Because yeah. you, you know you know the stories, because everyone knows the story about yeah, it. Yeah, it's been everywhere. Is she holding a gun? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm just like, damn, that's, that's a big gun. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it just tiny hands? <laughs> tiny, tiny. Unfortunately, it's a tiny person with a giant gun. Uh, they shot those two. Um, unfortunately, did they die? No, I think they were injured. And mm. made out with ten thousand dollars. I don't think they made out with it. <laughs> <laughs> they're not weird. Look, they're bank robbers and rapists. They're not. And and an heiress, then <laughs> then they're, they're not making out with the money, uh, but they did get away with ten thousand dollars, which is as we now know eight million pounds. Now I don't know what the conversion rate is, but uh, here is a clip of uh, a statement that Patty released. Well, again, I don't think she's releasing it, but the SLA released because now Patty is used as their spokesperson because what gets attention is a millionaire white woman trying to fight for civil liberties. And here is that clip. This is Karen. On April 15th, my comrades and I expropriated $10,660.02 from the Sunset Branch of the Hibernia Bank. Casualties could have been avoided had the persons involved cooperated with the people's voices and kept out of the way until after our departure. I was positioned so that I could hold customers and bank personnel who were on the floor. My gun was loaded, and at no time did any of my comrades intentionally point their guns at me. Careful examination of the photographs, which were published, clearly shows this is true. Our action of April 15th forced the corporate state to help finance the revolution. As for my ex-fiancé, I don't care if I ever see him again. During the last few months, Stephen has shown himself to be a sexist, ageist pig. Not that this was a sudden change from the way he always was. For those people who still believe that I'm brainwashed or dead, I see no reason to further defend my position. Consciousness is terrifying to the ruling class, and they will do anything to discredit people who have realized that the only alternative to freedom is death. And that the only way we can free ourselves of this fascist dictatorship is by fighting, not with words, but with guns. I am a soldier in the people's army. 
patria o muerte, venceremos. Just a month later, while SLA member William Harris and his wife were committing minor shoplifting, and I mean minor shoplifting, I, I don't think it was much. They were caught by the shopkeeper who like they'd seen what hang on what's going on over there because you know it was just there like she's pretending to be pregnant but it's like a square box (laughs) (laughs) yeah they've stolen a mars bar and a packet of crisps people go to prison for life for a mars bar and packets of crisps i mean i would if i was hungry but you would you would if you had two prior convictions and if you were in one of those three conviction states yeah the three strikes but do you know that california doesn't hold it's not it's just um, any, it's not just violent. Because in most states, it's like you have to do, essentially it's two violent crimes, then the third crime, whatever, or one violent crime and two other crimes, mm. whatever. But there's some states, like California is one of them, it's just straight up three strikes. Like you do three felonies. <laughs> jaywalk three times. <laughs> no, I don't think you can jaywalk, but you can, um, you can do fraud, like a major fraud, mm. grand larceny. And then steal a Snickers. And then you can be in life <laughs> in prison. Yeah, there's people... There's literally... There's a list of the last value things that threw people in prison. And one of them's like a pack of cookies, which is $1.17. And they ended up getting life in prison for it. Mm-hmm. It's all that slave labour, baby. Mm-hmm. So while this... While William Harris and his wife were being confronted outside the shop and were being restrained by the shop owner... Luckily for them, they'd brought Patty along with her brand new favourite toy, the M1 carbine. And everywhere she goes, <laughs> she's she's packing heat all the time. She's like, it's this. Do my hair toss, check my nails, pick up my fucking great big submachine gun. Uh, she emptied an entire magazine of the um, semi-automatic gun into the overhead shop sign which then shattered because it was glass covering both harris everyone in glass (laughs) the shopkeeper allowing harris time to dart out the way how quickly would you let go of the shop get the person shoplifting (laughs) someone comes out and starts fucking shooting your shop with an automatic gun apparently the shopkeeper did try and uh, take a few shots back but because he was packing because everyone's packing she started making shots closer and closer to the shopkeeper because oh, i think she was going for a general spray and prayer no don't hit anyone just spray and pray is that a thing <laughs> yeah i didn't know that yeah you learn something god damn thing now if it wasn't before yeah, huh? yeah a spray and pray and she that's what um soldiers often do it more it's mm. a big thing you just always try and shoot above your enemy. Because apparently people inherently don't want to kill people. No, I don't know why. <laughs> uh, but this, this obviously allowed time for them to get back to the van, and off they went. The three of them would later um, end up hijacking two cars and kidnapping two people. Well, Ironic. I mean, you've, got situation. You've, got free, you've got to fill your day because, you know, liberation. Yeah. <laughs> nothing I says wanna... liberal more than keeping people captive. I, I bet you just wanted to know what it was like to do it, really. You know? Well, you oh, I know what it was like from my side. Of yeah, things, I, so and it, it, I didn't have fun at the start, but now I'm having <laughs> so I'm much falling. fun. I've got this gun. <laughs> I love this gun. Do you think she took that gun with her? Yeah. 
the, the, the or you think that after she left they kind of put it up on the wall you know when like famous they retire famous yeah. players jerseys <laughs> they just have Patty Hearst's gun <laughs> after this uh, carjackings they were on the way back to the main SLA base where they'd noticed that this had been surrounded by police and there was a shootout taking place in which uh, the SLA would lose six members and an arrest warrant was put out for Patty. I'm amazed it took this long. Yeah. <laughs> but in all honesty, uh, what, the, arrest warrant... the first robbery was April. We're in September. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was also um, involved making uh, IEDs that were unsuccessfully, thankfully. Yeah, because you had fucking heiress. Because... I'm I, again. I don't. I don't need to be dis- disparage her, but imagine if you abducted Paris Hilton. <laughs> then after four months, you were like Paris. I mean, it, it's time to sh- ship up or um, ship out. And by shipping out, we mean we'll kill you. And she's like, Oh my god. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then you give her the biggest gun you can. <laughs> And then after she's like, "Yeah, you um, yeah, you 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 stood there in the bank because she doesn't do anything in the bank robberies. She stands there with the gun, and she often doesn't even have a finger on the trigger. In the first, in the first one, in the footage, you can see her just like kind of caressing the gun. Mm. She's there, kind of rubbing on it. But um, then she's obviously starts with her spray and praise because I feel like shooting a gun is quite fun, especially an automatic gun. Yeah, like I would love to. I'd hate to be in a situation where I need to use a gun, but just shooting a gun into I don't know. I don't. I don't want a person-shaped thing. I never liked that the target. Just a sandbag. Just a sandbag. Yeah, or a square. Mm. Just, just a, a f- fully unload a full magazine into there. But just imagine, as I'm saying, after you've gotten her to do that, you now be like, Paris Hilton, make bombs. <laughs> and you know they're not like the fun bombs you make when you're a kid. You know how every kid makes bombs. <laughs> I should do. Did you not never do that? Did you never never play around with explosives and stuff? No. When you were younger? Oh, I feel like my friends were too... I feel like you were on the level of being cool and having friends when uh, you were younger. Not really. Select few. Still got them now. Exactly. I, I mean, I, people who who make explosive devices when they're youth don't often stay together. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever get the anarchist cookbook? No, I didn't. That sounds great. What? Down. I, find that now. I wish I could have it. We had like a proper... We printed one out at school. Yeah, it was well good. It was in English as well, so I had... But then I couldn't take it home out of fear of my mum finding my anarchist cookbook. Because <laughs> <laughs> we can't just have... I'm like, yeah, I can make thermite. Yeah, on top of the IED, she was involved in numerous, numerous other crimes with the SLA. I feel like she's, at this point... Because she does eventually get arrested on the 18th of September, yeah. 1975. So she's been in there a year and a half. Oh, she... shit! I thought that was the same year! <laughs> no, she's been there a year and a half. She's, she's got one... to be one of their top members at this point. I've never been part of an organisation as this long. <laughs> <laughs> never been in a club for as long as she was in the SLA. Well, you've been in PT for it. Like... Well, yeah, that's true. Apart from that, and even <laughs> then I needed to take a break. <laughs> Yeah, she was arrested in San Francisco uh, by Inspector Timothy Case on the 18th of September, 
uh, notes taken on her rest showed that she dropped 40 kilograms. That's a lot because mm. she wasn't big. <laughs> and was described by medics as low IQ, low effect zombie. I think she was quite, she might have been low affect, but she was high effects. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was showing signs of memory loss regarding her previous life and was now a heavy smoker and suffering from nightmares. Uh, she was aim- aiming not to be guilty on the account of mental illness. However, her conditions didn't really fall in line. Because she wasn't mentally ill. Yeah. She was brainwashed. Brainwashed. Don't get me wrong. And I feel like she definitely was brainwashed. But that's the thing. Where as soon as you brainwash, giving in to brainwashing, like, when do you start being culpable of crimes? Like, sure, if she could be a part of the SLA, but then... Once you've got that gun in your hand, you do still have a choice. Again, it's that thing of not wanting to be hurt, and that sort of thing I do understand. But yeah, yeah I feel like you've got to be culpable at some point. Yeah. And had this been the other way around, had the millionaire white lady abducted the poor black guy, I don't think what happens here would have ever happened. mm because um, she was actually, the psychiatrist, uh, Louis Jolion West, uh, from the University of California, uh, was appointed at her court to see how capable she was. Because he was actually a brainwashing expert, who I think a lot of people were probably in the 70s. Yeah. And he actually... Depends how much acid you'd Mm. taken that morning. But, and then he, after the trial, he wrote to President Jimmy Carter to get her released. And uh, she was actually released after, because she was sentenced to seven years, but her sentence was then commuted by Jimmy Carter. And then, annoyingly enough, not only did she get out of prison, because this is the definition of privilege, right? Because, again, horrible things happened to her. I'm not stating oh, yeah. that horrible things did not happen to her. But there is unequivocally no way that this was like the fucking the guys, those poor kids. And this isn't those poor kids that from um, the West Memphis three, like they've never been acquitted. Like they were released. They were released from prison early. But that's all that was happening. They didn't fucking get their sent. They got their sentence commuted, but they weren't pardoned. They can't seek any form of conversation because according to them, they were they're quote unquote guilty. But. Yeah, and she was fully pardoned by Bill Clinton, which, again, you need to... Uh, again, it's fucking horrible, horrible, horrible. But the members of Om Shinrikyo all got charged, along with the fucking... The bo- the big boss, and he was... He, he was a cult who fully brainwashed all the people around yeah. him. But cult members get charged with the crimes that the cult commits. Because even if at the start you were brainwashed into it, at some point you do need to take responsibility. But yeah, that was uh, again. I can see that that one being a Stockholm syndrome, and she did uh, fully say that she loved a lot of the members and she had a, a fondness uh, for them. But then at her trial, probably at the request of her defense lawyers, started throwing people under the bus because again, they deserve to be under the bus in the first place. But her loyalty to the group, quote unquote, was as quick as the trial yeah because <laughs> as soon as she got to 
to the trial, they were like, nah. And so another one of the famous, famous quote-unquote, and this one I'm fully outright saying is not a case of Stockholm Syndrome, which is the horrendous, horrendous case of Colleen Stapp. Now, there's a film based on this, though. The Poughkeepsie tapes in 2007. Isn't Poughkeepsie in upstate New York? Yeah. And I only know that from uh, Friends. Let's stop Poughkeepsie. I feel like there's a, there's a song as well. and I can't think who it's by. That I know it from. But Yeah, it's like an American documentary style horror film. Oh, uh, a mockumentary. Is it a shaky cam? I don't know. If, I haven't seen it. Oh. That was on my list of things to do this week. And then that's got... I've watched that. Other stuff got taken over by mm. him, so... Um, so, uh, yeah, Colleen Stan, uh, she was born on the 3rd of December 1956. And uh, she was kind of, uh, when she was 20, she was hitchhiking through to see one of her friends and uh, to all the way to Oregon. From she was, She's going from Oregon to California. Yeah. And if you've looked, that's quite a fucking long way. Yeah, but she's a self-proclaimed experienced hi- hi- uh, hitchhiker, hitchhiker. Yeah. <laughs> at the she... age of 20. I'm sorry. You're not, you're not experiencing anything at the age of 20 you were, other than because, drinking. Yeah, uh, no, because well, you're not even no, allowed. No, you're not in America. No, you were, though, because it was different. It was... Um, not the 70s. Yeah, it was his... I think it's like 78 when they uh, changed all the laws. Ah. I could be wrong. Um, <laughs> I often that. <laughs> so uh, she was actually picked up by this guy... What's his fucking face? Hooker. Cameron Hookers. Yeah, Cameron Hooker. And... He, and because she basically had, she tried, she went, thumbed out, two other people had stopped. She was like, nah. Because again, she's like, I know what's what. And then as soon as she saw Hooker had a woman and a baby in the car, he was like, this is fucking sweet. Which you would. Like, I would. I, I'm not anymore, as we said in our last time <laughs> we recorded. And that's the most distrustful. <laughs> I simply won't. And uh, so basically, they stopped along the way because it's fucking I mean it's miles they're driving yeah and uh, I watched Doug just before we started recording just finished watching the the girl in the box documentary and they were like oh do you mind so they basically tell her oh we're gonna go this way do you want do you mind if we go see some ice caves and she's like oh, oh obviously yeah, she's just happy for the ride so basically they stop she gets out of the car the wife and kid gets out of the car she's like oh I don't I don't know this kind of feels a bit weird but again the wife and kid and then uh, when she comes back into the car, uh, basically, they, they essentially uh, got a rush. She comes back in and there's just a weird box sat next to her. She's like, that's weird. I don't remember that box being in there. But uh, yeah, sure, whatever. And she's kind of, they carry on. And then they pull off the road again after driving for a little bit. And then Hooker pulls out a knife puts it to her throat and she's like we're taking you captive and then puts the box on and the box is lined with carpet so she's like he's like even if you scream like we can't get it out and then they proceed to drive to their house in uh i think it's red hook california red 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 bluff california and uh so when they get there they take her down to the basement she's got this head thing on they take the head box off which apparently 
is an actual thing. What? Oh, yeah. It's not just this. Because when you look up, unfortunately, when you look up, when you search the term Colleen Stan, you know when Google does those little, you search this, maybe you'd like to search. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, it's other, it's horrible. It's all, it's like a list of it's like oh, another horrible kidnapping, another horrible kidnapping, and then the word headbox. <laughs> then I'm like, well, well, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna click on, click on the word headbox, and it's actually a BDSM thing. You can just buy them. You can go online and buy one right now. Probably from like Love Honey. I don't know if Love Honey does BDSM. <laughs> I'll have a look. You won't be able to get onto Love Honey here. It will be blocked by our internet. You'll have to, you've got Tor down there. You'll have to go on Tor. That's the way you have to see everything. So basically, she had her head removed from the from the box. And uh, she basically, she then told them, they told her, like, you're going to be here kept as a slave. And you're going to do exactly what we say. And then they proceeded to hang her up in the basement yeah, yeah, that's the exact my face. That was my face earlier. I, I was looking this at work. <laughs> this looks like something out of Saw. Yeah, it's fucking insane. Go if you go on the images. It's that's um, what I'm on. Yeah, is it? Have you got to the one where it's like there's loads of horrible, horrible headbox, horrible headbox, horrible headbox, and then there's like a baby in a, a respirator, which is also looks terrifying. No, you've not seen it. You've no, seen I'm not, that, I'm it's not, not meant to. It's like a baby respirator, but it just looks like a headbox for some reason. So um, she was basically she's hung up on by a uh, by a wrist, and then they uh, hook her and was well, so Cameron and then Janice they start having sex underneath her, and then apparently according to her it's like he finishes and then he goes and starts like fondling her and then she just blacks out, and then after that. They, uh, they, he leads her off into essentially a little, another wooden crate and then kind of just leaves her in there. Because she was literally kept in the, the box for 23 hours a day and then he would take her out and then brutally assault her. So he'd like beat her and stuff. And then at the start, he wouldn't, he never raped her with, he never inserted, the thing is, he never penetrated her with his penis, but he would fucking put all sorts of shit up inside of her. Yeah, it was that's fucking, still. It was absolutely awful. And then after all, like, while, so he's, like, downstairs in the, she's in the basement. She never comes, she comes out of a box for, like, an hour a day to just be horrifically tortured. And after a while, then Cameron comes down and he has a, a contract from a BDSM oh, yeah, this is when magazine. I came over and... Yeah, yeah, it was when you came in. So he's like, there was in BDSM, it was in a bit from a magazine, and it's a slave. So it's basically a sub dom contract. Yeah. Which is it's, it's the whole thing in Fifty Shades yeah. of Grey. But the worst. So basically, it says she gives up her entire body to him, gives up all of her rights as a person. He'll have to. Re- she'll have to refer to him as master, and uh, to Janice as uh, madam. And basically, they can do whatever they want to her, and she's gonna have to wear this dog collar. And then they put the. So she signs it. Then after that, because she's been there for, I think about three or four months now. So, yeah, it was in January. So she was picked up in May of 77. So now in January of January 78. So it's been seven months she's in, been kidnapped. 
And uh, so then at this stage, after making her sign this contract, he then introduces her to the company. I mean, Gray Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> For scary-ass names. Of the a, company. Of a, yeah, I mean, it's like the New World Order kind of sort of thing, this secret elite group. And he, he explains to her that, bear in mind, she's in a basement. She's not seeing sunlight. She's getting just brutally beaten, raped, and thrown back in a box. She's obviously clean, not eating And she's, mm-hmm. like, blindfolded continuously. So then he starts saying about this impossible organization, which will, if she escapes, their job is to, they basically run all the world's sex slave trade and they make sure that all the slaves are in process and they're going to be the people who are going to uphold the contract that she's been made to sign. And uh, she would, from this point, only be referred to as K. You're right there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and um, with the after the contract, so now he's kind of he's feeling a bit loose, loosey goose with it all. He now starts letting her come upstairs and do housework. So bear in mind, all of this time, the wife is there, Janice is there, witnessing him all this abuse being happen, but she's just kind of happy because. Nothing's happening to her anymore. We're still not nothing. Yeah. Because she actually met Cameron when she was 15 years old and she came from a very, very strict religious upbringing. And uh, she was very young and very uh, unexperienced in her whole life. And she met this 19-year-old guy and he was like, let me take you out. And she's like, there's absolutely no way you're going to be able to take me out. I'm not allowed to go out. He's like, well, let me come and meet your parents and then uh, we'll see what happens, essentially. He goes in because he's this guy is... He's at the start, at least, kind of like this master manipulator. There's what well, this is definitely how they portray him in things, but he basically convinces the parents to doing that. And on their first date, he manages to convince uh, Janice to be strung up by her wrists naked on a tree. Why he? Because he's a fuck. He's a full I'm on a, sadist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's some smooth talking to get that on the first date. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I mean, don't condone any of this. <laughs> but yeah, this is it's fucking crazy how they can just um, literally just how much control they have over her. So the whole point to her, to Colleen coming into the relationship is that she was essentially fed up of all this fucking whips and chains and yeah. shit. But that's what he needed essentially to get off. So she was like, you can have a sex slave that you can beat and get all your things and she can be keep her out against her will. But I have to have a baby. So they do a weird, in the weirdest trade-off ever, she gets, she has a kid, he gets to, but yeah, no sex, gets... no penetrative sex. So he has sex with her, but essentially like ties her up, beats her, and then fucks his wife next to her while yeah. he's beating her. It's, the whole thing's, the whole thing's real fucked up. So basically, at around this time, so we're in around 1980, they, uh, the hookers buy a plot of land. And when they buy this plot of land is when shit really starts going downhill for clean. Because he actually gets, he's got this open round, he gets a rack. Like an old medieval fucking torture oh. device. Yeah, because he's fucking 
going off the wall because that's the thing. You've got to keep upping and upping and upping each time. Mm. So she's literally being stretched out on this rack and tortured. But it's also this time she he takes the collar off her and lets her start walking. Because, again, she's cooking and cleaning style, but now she's allowed to walk around in the garden because, again, in her mind, if she steps one toe out of line, the company, company are going to come in. They're going to kill her, going to kill her whole family. So, it's, so, so she is being kept in line with this. And this is Stockholm Syndrome. Classic Stockholm Syndrome. Classic. You can't hear all of our... <laughs> so, so... I shouldn't be laughing. It's, it's, it's horrendous. So basically... In so there's this whole thing's happening and at around this time as well, and I don't know what exactly why Janice says to Cameron, "Yeah, you can have sex with with Kay," and she's expecting him to be like, "No, no, no, I I beat her. I have sex with you." Yeah, but he's like, "Oh yeah, fuck damn. yeah!" <laughs> this is just the worst. <laughs> You know, I know it's bad. Often the people we're talking about, and and I know it's it's even worse when people are dead. But people are dead. like she's she's just alive. This yeah. poor 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 woman. But uh, so this is when she she says, "Oh, you can go have sex with her," and he he goes and has sex with her. And then from this point on, there's a rift starts building between. I mean, there should already have been a massive big rift between. But because Janice apparently is scared, but she knows what's going on as well. She's not, she's culpable just as much as fucking Patty Hearst was culpable in the end. But uh, she, uh, she's, uh, he's having sex with her. Like it happens a few times a month, like once a week sort of time. This is happening now. And in 80, 1981, he actually is like, right, the company of, agreed it that you can go you've been very good you haven't broken any of these rules you can go see your parents which is fucking crazy so he basically he goes he says he gives her what she's allowed to say he's like don't mention any of that we're here in the area because i'm gonna go i'm a like med student or something and i'm going to a conference this is why we were like while we're in the area he drops he literally drops her off she's there for like an hour and at this time the parents haven't seen her for three years but they have absolutely no... She just disappeared. What, she was fucking hitchhiking to Oregon. Yeah, and she was gone. gone. And um, they're, like, worried. So they don't want to pry too much. Because in their minds, they think she might be in a cult or something. And they just don't want to lose her. So they would yeah. try and keep it a surface conversation to make sure they get to have another conversation with her. Then after a while, the phone rings. Cameron's on the phone. He's like, I'll be there in 15 minutes. He comes there. He picks her up. They take a horrible, creepy photo together, which we'll post. And then she, they leave together. And when, now when she gets home, they're like, you've had way too much freedom. So what he does, he builds a a bunker, essentially, not a bunker, but a cage under the bed. So the thing that the bed is built on, because they're in a trailer, by the way. Yeah. I forgot to say this when they moved to the new property. It's in a trailer. I mean, it's a two-bedroom trailer, two-room trailer, but they're still in a trailer. So she is now living under the under the bed in the trailer, and she stays there for again. She's in the thing for twenty-three hours a day. She's got a bedpan. The children were told that um, Kay had left because she was looking after the kids and stuff and stuff as well. 
And uh, she basically, he would get her out of the box for an hour, just completely torture her. And then she was refused. She couldn't make any noise while she was under. And it was like a fucking 100 degrees in the, under the yeah, thing. Yeah, in the fucking Northern California. It's fucking so hot. But she was there for three years. Oh, an extra three years. Yeah, it was... Like, in that state under the bed for three years. Yeah, because he came, basically, so in... They went to go visit the family in early 81, and then in 1983, so it was two years, but it's given with the time. So in 1983, uh, Stan was allowed to come back out again, and then he actually, weirdly enough, said she could get a job as a maid in a motel. I find that motel. really weird that he's given her that power. amount of freedom. It's power dynamics. He's like, now she's... Fuck, but again, she's this whole time is thinks there's this secret organisation that can kill her and her family at any given second. Yeah. So she's working at this. Um, She's just absolutely thrilled that she can leave the bed, let alone... She's probably... She, you know she's not making any... Keeping any of the money. He's, yeah, he's taking all, all the money. And um, at this time, her and Janice basically start talking because Janice hates uh, Colleen. Yeah, she absolutely hates. Well, you her. would if because she gets again. And then the husband. So Cameron's like, "Well, do you know what? This is great. I've got my, I've got my wife, and I've got my sex lay. And now he's sleeping with both of them because before he was kind of doing it secretly." And now he's, like, alternating between sleeping with one then sleeping with the other one and stuff like that at this stage when she comes out and has a job. So uh, it's fucking tension. And he's like, I mean, the food's so nice they named it twice. What about three times? Three times a lady. You know, that's what we need. Mm -hmm. We need another one. So what you can be... that. So it can be wife, weekend sex slave, full-time sex slave. And you've got her out earning money from the hotel. You've got person to look after your kids. In his mind, he's like, "This is it. This is what I need." Making money. Yeah, I'm making money. I don't have to. I won't have to work. I'll just be able to sit here. And then at that stage is when Janice is like, "This is fucked up." <laughs> and um, she actually started. She went to her. I don't know if she was Catholic, but she went to a church and whoever the church priest or minister or whatever, and spoke to him about it, and he was like, you've got to leave that. This is crazy. Yeah. And then uh, she basically went to... went over to the motel where Colleen was working, and she was like, by the way, this company thing is bollocks. <laughs> and then as soon as she said that, Colleen was like, holy shit... Obviously, it's bollocks. But because she, she apparently, according to her, she was like immediately was like, "Oh my god, I'm so stupid." But again, you can't. This is you can't. This is suffering on a level that is like uncomprehensible. Really, like this is this is not this thing happening to you. Like you couldn't even imagine this would ever happen to. I just can't. This is so bad. So the fact that as soon as someone... The, you, that's the only person that's telling you anything. You, it becomes that thing of, like, you need to understand that. So as soon as he's like, yeah, I've got you in a box under my bed for three years. As soon as that's happened, the fact that there's a secret organisation keeping all these people in tow seems not that implausible. Yeah, and if 
he's the only one that's speaking to her, the yeah. only one that's talking to her, then she's not going to get, and she's going to be in that total survival mode of, yeah, of course. I just need to get through this. I can't not do what he says. Yeah, because if you basically survived this long, the need to survive must be so fucking strong in yeah. her. Because like me, again, straight away, day two, I'm like, nah, mate, kill me. <laughs> Just kill me. I'm not doing it. Can't do it. Won't do it. I'm screaming. I'm always screaming. <laughs> never getting silently into the hole. I'm never allowing myself to be duct taped. I'm, I'm wrangling. I'm pooing myself. Smearing myself. I'm always giving myself pink eye. <laughs> no one wants a sex life with pink eye. <laughs> we, again, we shouldn't joke. This is the worst. <laughs> so she's. He goes. She goes to her. Like by the way, the company's bollocks. So she fucking phones. She's like, I'm leaving. Then phones up her dad. It's like I'm coming home. Like I need to. Like probably send me some money or something. Whatever. To, I need to come home. But then. Should just hit you. No. Fun. Oh, man. <laughs> but then she goes, this is, I mean, this is a whole level of baller more than, she phones up Cameron Hooker and she's like, I'm leaving. There's nothing you can do about it. And apparently he just starts crying on the phone. <laughs> and she goes, doesn't report it to police. She just leaps. And then at this stage, Janice goes to the police. And she's like, um, ding dong. <laughs> Policeman opens the door. Um, hey there, little lady. I'm imagining. Because <laughs> everyone's from Texas in, in my accent. is like, hey there, little lady. Chewing tobacco. And she's like, um, by the way, uh, I'm not sure if it's a big deal, but, um, we kept a woman captive under our bed for the last seven years. Just thought you should, just thought you should go. Yeah, that's uh, you haven't yeah. seen the Harry Potter films. It's a great scene when Quirrell runs in, he's troll, then he faints. Troll, I thought you should know, and then just faints. <laughs> so he, she comes in, she's like, um, this has been happening. And the police are like, well, it hasn't, though, has it? Because, <laughs> they, again, they never believe anyone straight away. They're like, well, if someone had told me all of that, I'd be like, that hasn't happened. Yeah, if your co-worker tells you that, maybe move one seat down. Yeah, <laughs> often not true. But again, could be entirely true. Uh, so he's, they go, uh, well, that can't be true. And she's like, um, yep. And not only that, she, uh, then also said, by the way, um, he also killed, kidnapped and tortured Marie Elizabeth Shanek. And then they were like, well, there's absolutely no proof of this. So, um. No charge. You know, no charge. So after uh, she goes and uh, tells the police, she and the police go and go to pick him up in that time period, she goes back to Cameron and and she basically tells Cameron, I've gone to the police, by the way. Cameron's like, no problem. That's fine. But I'm going to need you to burn all the evidence that she was ever here. And then Janice is like, yeah, that seems fair. And gets rid of all the evidence. So when the police turn up and they say to Cameron, uh, you're under arrest for the false imprisonment, torture, abduction and all this malarkey. He's like, okay, let's go. Thinking they've got nothing. They've got no way of tying me. 
And then they go through all this stuff. And in one of the his BDSM magazines, they're flipping through. There's absolutely no evidence. They can't pin it put her there. Nowadays, they'd be fucking touch DNA over everything. Yeah. So she'd be like, oh, she was clearly here. But then they were like, oh, no, we can't prove that she was here. And so they actually find a negative, if you remember negatives yeah. there from the old photos, of the a photo of the contract that he had her sign. And that's literally like, bang, we've got her in there. We've got her in this house. Trial time. They go to trial. Colleen obviously testifies against everything. She's like, yeah, this is exactly what happened to me. I was kept in this condition. We moved here. I was put on the rack. It was fucking the, the worst things ever happened. And then Cameron gets on, the, takes the stand in his own defense. And he's like, I did abduct her. One, I'll give you that. So first count of abduction. Guilty. Guilty. <laughs> I did torture her. Count two. But after a while, I set her free and she chose to stay. And by the time we were having sex, it wasn't rape. It was all consensual. And luckily, for one of the few times that the, the, the jury were like, absolutely no way. <laughs> you are Thank so fuck. fucking guilty. But unfortunately, as often is the case... Janice, who did testify against him in trial, testified under the condition that she would have immunity to all the crimes. So uh, she Go went on. and was like hid away, and she's uh, hiding away, hiding away, and she doesn't talk about anything, and she doesn't want to be known. And good, yeah, good. And um, unfortunately, uh, uh, after the trial. Life was a uh, wasn't great for Stan, um, imaginably. Like she actually got married. A couple of I'm amazed you could ever go near anyone. Yeah, if you could ever be near a man again. But um, she's actually uh, she uh, volunteered for the Reading Woman's Refugee Centre, which is basically to help uh, to help abused women. Oh, so it's a social centre, and they uh, basically they. She changed her name, standard, and was kind of like, We're, I'm out. <laughs> of the same same way as uh, Janice did, who I don't think should get to do that. No, she shouldn't. I feel like... There's a lot of people I don't think should get to change their name. No. Uh, not only get to change your name, she should be out to... She should be in fucking prison. But it was the same as the um, Elizabeth Smart case. The woman in question, who did... Kept that girl... She knew what was happening. She was interfering with that girl sexually. They were doing weird shit with her. She got completely let off of the trials after, like, she and she served 15 years, I think, in prison. But then mm. she was acquitted of it. But she, uh, then he, uh, what's his face? Stan, not Stan, um, Cameron Hooker. He is, uh, got given life sentence, but is up for parole. In 2022. Ooh. So, yeah, coming up. He won't get it. There's no <laughs> he way. He will not get parole. There's absolutely no chance. I. But, that, yeah, it's like every now and then when they bring up, what's her face? Um, lady killer. Come on. Kill the boys. Myla, no, Henley died. Did she? The other one. Rose West? 
Yeah, she's still she's still kicking, is she? One of the two. They keep they keep talking about bringing her up for parole every now and then. It's but, just like nope. No, yeah, of course they're straight away. They're like absolutely no chance, love. So yeah, that that for me was a uh, not a case of Stockholm syndrome, but a case that I feel definitely was that. Well, first we'll go on to your one, yeah, which we have a little bit about. Just a tiny bit about this one. It's back from the nineteen nineteen thirty three. Mary McElroy. Uh, These are great names all around, by the way. This is a (laughs) this this case has fucking phenomenal names. Uh, So it's on the evening of the May of May twenty seventh, nineteen thirty three. And 25-year-old Mary is taking a bubble bath in her father's house when she was abducted by four men, which included the brothers George and Walter McGee. The McGees. Again, great names. Great names. Uh, the men had broken at the house with a sawn-off shotgun and then waited for Mary to get dressed before taking her to an old farmhouse and chaining her to the wall in the basement. But also, these people did not know what they were doing. No. <laughs> they were so inexperienced. <laughs> Uh, Mary was actually the daughter of the Kansas City manager, or Kansas City manager, sorry, uh, Henry F. McElroy. I'm assuming that's a football t- American football team. No, like the oh city manager. Yeah, city as manager. In not like a football. Is in no, he was the city manager. manager. Yeah, yeah, I get it. No. I watch Parks and Rec. <laughs> yeah, um, what's his face? Not a football um, club. Rob Lowe, it's Rob Lowe's character in Parks and Rec. Okay, uh, so they obviously thought this. The amount of money you could get ransom-wise for her. Whew. 60,000 was yeah. their initial thoughts. So they demanded 60,000 for the release of Mary, but eventually settled on just half of that. I mean, that's good. Again, ask for more than you think you're going to get and then work your way backwards. Yeah, but I'd have gone this for This is what we've learned from the Stockholm Syndrome. You're like, you don't need... This is 1930 money. Now, this is real. Can let me... Oh, yeah. Get... Let me... you, you, you carry on doing your doing and I'll... um. Get this bad boy up. So the sum of money was paid on the 29th of May. So two days. Like, this is a fast, this fast is moving case. 36 hours she was held captive. Yeah. I mean, this nothing. And was released unharmed uh, near a golf course. Uh, the three men were... three. Oh, sorry. Three of the men were actually captured less than a month later and sent to trial. Two of them they caught, like, almost immediately. Like, well, I can imagine they, it was as soon as the money got handed over. But didn't they, they caught them, like, 16 hours later? Yeah. With about, 11, oh, hang on. They caught... They, uh, there's a 16 and 11. They caught them, I think... They recovered 16,000 of the money given. So the last guy got away with a load of it. Or they probably blew it on drugs. Drug, Not drugs, but it's the... the, the well, what we, alcohol. What, alcohol, yeah. Because was this prohibition? The 30s. 30s, so. no. Prohibition had ended by then. Uh, Mary said during her the 29 hours in captivity she was apparently tread incredibly well and one of the men gave her flowers um, so all in all this is actually quite a nice wholesome case really um, by the way the inflation rate on $30,000 in today's money is $593,000 fuck so just under half a million dollars, or just over half just a million. Over, well, not quite comfortably over half a million. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, over it would have been one point two million to ask for sixty thousand. So which is quite a lot for a city plan, a city manager, really. Yeah. Because yeah. that's a lot of money. I don't think city managers are making that much money. Probably. I mean, I think it's a well-paying job, but 
Not back in those days. Kansas City. It's the, it, it's 1930s Kansas City. This is a boom town. You must be, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> so when the trial was finished, Norm, the and the three of the men were given harsh sentences. Harsh sentences, according to Mary. Mary was riddled with with guilt. She publicly sympathised with her abductors and called upon the city governor Guy Brassfield. Uh, to reverse the sentence, uh, Mary remained friends with the McGee brothers throughout their uh, incarceration. Ah, hang on. I've just uh, found a quick little fact here about this. I found that article that we couldn't find earlier. And um, so actually, McElroy's... So Henry McElroy, he uh, was very... He had, was a man of many accomplishments, but uh, he was also heavily connected to the underworld and headed by John Lazier. So he was, and very, he was referred to as county bookkeeping. So basically he, he took loads of bribes. <laughs> so uh, he probably did have a lot of money and everyone knew he, he had, had a, a lot, lot of money because yeah. he was tied to like early day mob. Yeah. Very, um, remained friends with the McGee brothers and even brought them, uh, gifts during her prison visits to them. The ordeal led to Mary having numerous nervous breakdowns. And after her father died in 1939, her mental state utterly collapsed. He lived to 74. And she ended up uh, committing suicide, sadly. And part of her suicide note read, My four kidnappers are probably the four people on earth who don't consider me an utter fool. Well, yeah, because everyone was... She was like, stop liking the kidnappers. <laughs> but I feel like that's, a, that's one of the, like, the... I feel, yeah, I feel like this, it's, it's these little things, like, they kidnapped her and then they allowed her time to dry and stuff like that. I know it was different time because just the fact that you're just walking 30s. in on a lady. Yeah, it was the 30s. Yeah. The walking in on a lady in a bath was just the utmost of controversy. My God, dear woman, I am Good terribly grief. sorry. <laughs> But some clothes on, Man, for mate, Christ's I've, sake. I've seen you without your brassiere. We're not even married. But she knows she was wearing in the bath, because she was in a bubble bath, clearly, and she had bubbles. Luckily, they're always covered. In the 30s, bubbles always knew to cover bits. Yeah. It's not like me. If you, I, the last time I was that, always. They never cover it. Bubbles will, bubbles will gather around my belly <laughs> and my feet. My genets are always just out. Uh, so yeah, that was all the case. The only case I want to touch on because I feel like this one is such a not like all of them were fucking crazy and horrendous, but um, is the kidnapping of J. C. Duggard, uh, and uh, she was actually taken in nineteen ninety one. I don't know if you remember because she was she was found in nineteen in two thousand and nine, and this guy uh, Philip Greg Carido was the kidnapper and credo is a fucking nutcase <laughs> and as well as his his wife who was just kind of there for, she was there for the like the long for the time being afterwards because he was actually he was sentenced to 431 years Ooh. like that's a serious don't get out yeah she's serving um 36 years because she was she was doing bad things to her but uh, she was actually taken outside of this of lake tahoe the city of Arcadia uh, in Lake Tahoe in California when she was, uh, what, nine years old, 11 years old. So she was taken really young. Yeah, she was taken really late. And it was literally, it was so bad because they 
the when the actual kidnapping itself took place just as she was getting on the school bus and her stepdad was just about to drive was just about to get ready to leave for work so he watched her get kidnapped oh yeah i did read a little tiny bit about this and he then phoned the police and was like my stepdad was just been kidnapped described what the man looked like described the car that picked her up he's like it was this car it was a guy that looked like this and uh someone had been kidnapped like that not that long beforehand it was an attempt to kidnap in the same sort of area and uh and it was that was reported as well, and the same sort of description of the car and that was given. And then the police focused all of their attention on him. It's all they focused on for ages, for such a long fucking time. And she oh. was taken fucking twenty minutes down the road, and it was what fucking eight eighteen years. He was held captive. Is that right? No. Yeah, eighteen years. <laughs> She's 20 minutes down the road. Yeah, it was, she was so fucking close. And she was found with having... She gave birth to two children from this guy. And she was living like in... in and again, everyone. This is when... this The fact of how we are now as a society is such... Failed itself. Because there were neighbours who were witnessing this fucking a camp being built in this back garden. And no one said nothing. And uh, so she was actually, this is probably one of the closest ones that I would say to Stockholm Syndrome, even though we're not going to go into depth. She was, uh, so for years and years and years, just held in this back garden. And he, again, he had children with her. And then they kind of, he like loved the children. That was the weird thing. Like he was like really close. And then they were, when he got arrested, they all cried. Because mm. it was their whole life. And they, were, they yeah. actually got arrested walking around a university campus. And that's how they basically, the kids were there walking around there and they were like, oh, and I was like, who's this? Is this your mum? Is this your sister? And they were like, uh. Mm. And again, this was the one case where someone's like, yeah, you're fucking on it. Just notice this. And, uh, but she, yeah, she, that was a case that I do kind of feel like borders on uh, Stockholm Syndrome more because, yeah, it's fucking, it's, that one's just such a weird, crazy case. We would have to look into more in the future. Yeah. But I feel like that's... Well, I've got a very, very quick one. Okay. Go, go for it. We're already two hours. We're two hours. <laughs> I mean, we're two <laughs> what hours. What are we going to do? Well, yeah, yeah, we're going to keep going. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. Is it Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah. I say it is. You say it straight up is Stockholm yeah. Syndrome? Uh, I, I mean, it's it's definitely fucked up. She falls in love with him. He he steals her. He does. He doesn't actually steal her, though. No, he just doesn't let her leave his property. Yeah, I mean, technically, that's the definition of false imprisonment. Because she does trespass. Mm -hmm. And um, her, I don't know why her her dad breaks in. Her dad straight up breaks. Is a, is a, yeah, his dad's a boss and breaks it. He just breaks into a castle. He uh, Then he starts eating someone's food. I mean, it's fa- if someone came into my house and I'd set out my dinner... My magic dinner. Mm-hmm. All of my people were there singing and dancing around it. it was my, I don't know if it was... I feel like there was never music before... Beauty? I can't be beauty. Bell. That's it. Before Bell turned up, there was never music in that house. No, it was a very quiet house. A quiet, Everyone, solemn house. Everyone's like... The, tiptoed the, around. The, the thing is, they're, cut, they're crockery moving around trying not to make a sound. And it's like, there's a reason why uh, Richard Ramirez and... Um, I'm going to... 
the Golden State Killer or D'Angelo. Is it no? Is it D'Angelo? Who got convicted? He hasn't been convicted yet, but he definitely did it. Joseph D'Angelo. Yeah, Joseph D'Angelo put plates, cups and saucers on people's backs. Because when you move with them, they make a fucking racket. Yeah. <laughs> so they're creeping around the house at all times like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And really, they're the ones who are truly suffering. I mean, yeah, he was a dickhead to someone and he got turned into a weird wildebeest bear monster. Mm. But they were just in the house and they got turned into plates. And their whole thing was, if they can't get out by whatever the time the rose dies, he'll stay like that. They'll all die yeah. and just turn into normal plates and cups. They'll and just be plates and cups again. Then. Yeah, in a weird ass wardrobe and a slightly camp candle. Is the wardrobe part of it? Yeah. Are you sure that you think of a clock? No, the clock's part of it as well. And the wardrobe. There's a wardrobe as well, definitely. I don't think I've seen it in very in long. I've watched me and Grace watched the uh, what's her face one Emma Watson yeah. one. When we first started going out, but I could, apart from that, I can't remember the last time I seen the Beauty and the Beast. Well, I think I watched the Emma Watson one. I went, I think I preferred the old one, so I went and watched the old one. I was like, yeah, did prefer the old one. Um, uh, yes but and no. She falls in love with him. Eventually, stays with him. She could have left at any point. Well, not at any point. She but couldn't leave. She, she couldn't, leave, couldn't leave. But it got to it got to a point where she could. She could have left him. Uh, when is that point when she could leave when Garçon starts coming yep yeah but you, the thing is Garçon's really rapey <laughs> like everyone in that town it's like the town of problems <laughs> because the the village people are like fuck this bitch she can read <laughs> I mean no one's good the dad's like you shouldn't be so precocious ah. is he? I can't remember what the dad's like is the dad bad? I bet the no, dad's no the dad's not bad he's just a bit, bit crazy a bit, he's an inventor isn't he? I don't know. He's a fucking. He's he's a he's breaking and entering. There's yeah, nothing well, creepy. Thought you would, but he broke into the house in the first place. It was just raining. It was raining. Imagine if I I was walking back in probably the most rain I've ever walked in a day ago. If I'd have broken into the into one of those houses down by the Rye and started eating someone's food. They were in all right to fucking give what? me a good idea and then lock me in the room. <laughs> and imprison you. Yeah, until my hot, young... Oh, she, she's definitely problematically aged. All those Disney... That's the yeah, great thing about Disney film. films. <laughs> they're like all 16 and they're like, oh, oh, that's a bit weird. Because that's clearly a full-grown man. <laughs> but that was acceptable. It's, it's provincial France with everyone has English accents. You know, provincial France. <laughs> Why does the candlestick have a French accent? Because it's set in France. But no one else, which means no one else has a French accent. Or it, they do that thing where, like, Chernobyl, where everyone just speaks in their actual accent. Do they do that in Chernobyl? Or do they put on accents? What, in the... Chernobyl, the film. The TV show. TV show. They just speak in their normal voices. And then everyone speaks like Yeah, it. I feel like they're just speaking It's like old World War II was, when all the Nazis speak English, but they speak English with English accents. So everyone, it's to imply they're actually speaking German and everyone's doing that suspension of disbelief. Yeah. So him having a French accent means maybe he's English? <laughs> or he's disabled. <laughs> Either or. Or has a weird lisp. Did you know it's actually... Because um, what's his face? It was um, Hugh McGregor, wasn't it? In the... 
thingy film. Yes, the, the Disney remake, film. Yeah. And they had to redo all his voice because his French accent was so bad. Oh, that's bad. Yeah, that's not him. <laughs> well, maybe he had to redo it all. Yeah. But it all had to be redone because the band is supposed to speak in like this. <laughs> oh. I'm busy watching out. Is that offensive? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with... Do you know what? The internet certainly would say she had Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> I still think... I think the internet's right on this one. I mean... I'm trying to think if just every Disney princess essentially has Stockholm Syndrome. Then. Possibly. Breaking it, breaking down, breaking down walls. We will uh, be back again soon. Uh, thank you again for listening. Uh, please reach out to us on the Instagram at 109 Ocean Avenue. Or if you want to reach us on our personal ones, I am at Stay Teak and Jack is at Jack, Jack Blink. Blink. Uh, anything else, you can email us at 109 Ocean Avenue. And uh, yeah, we'll be back again next week. So peace out, hombres. Laters. And, and, mujeres. And everyone in. Also non- Rapunzel, possibly Stockholm Syndrome. Oh, Jesus Christ. Rapunzel doesn't have Stockholm Syndrome. Rapunzel's just in a tower. <laughs> She's just prisoner. I'm on, what, I'm on what looks to be like a BuzzFeed article. Oh, Christ. So what? What Disney princess are you then, if we're going to take this quiz? No, we're going. Playing out. Bye.